Good morning again. We are going to be in 2 Peter 1, and while you're turning to that, have a couple more announcements. Uh, Mark requested meals for Val and Eric. They are in great need, and uh, I sympathize with her knee replacement. I feel her pain even as I speak. So if you would like to uh, sign up on the prayer chain, that would be great, or there's several different other avenues. You can call Mark. You, all the other Internet stuff you can do, StubHub or GrubHub or something. No, StubHub is tickets, isn't it? <laughs> meal, meal train, yeah. Anyways, they are in need, so uh, get on, on the website and help out there if you can. Uh, Wednesday, December 22nd at 7 o'clock, uh, we are going to be showing, I think it's 7, Kathy, right? Se 7. Uh, we're going to be showing the Chosen Christmas special, and that's exactly what I was going to be sharing with all my family. So maybe we'll just all come here. You're going to be here, Isaac? Of course. 7 o'clock, Wednesday, December 22nd, the Chosen Christmas special. And then on Janu Sunday, Sunday, January 2nd, is that right? Uh, it's 7 o'clock again. We're going to be showing season one of The Chosen here. And if you haven't seen The Chosen, it's, it's great. It's incredible. And it, even if you have seen it, it's worth seeing again. So that's going to be starting Sunday nights, January 2nd. And then lastly, uh, uh, Alan just told me this morning a little bit ago that Lauren, you know, Lauren and Galena that sit up here is uh, either on his way or in the hospital. He uh, broke some vertebrae uh, from coughing. And so we want to take a minute and, and pray for him as well. So why don't we just do that right now? Father, uh, we just are... So blessed to have Lauren and Galena here in our family, and we just want to lift uh, Lauren up to you. We pray for your hand of comfort on him and, and peace for Galena as they are in the hospital right now. We just uh, ask that you would give the physicians wisdom and, and give Lauren relief from the pain, and, and we just thank you that you are the God that heals. And Lord, we also want to remember Val, and, and especially with her pain level, I just pray that you would bring... Uh, that level down and and uh, make her comfortable father we just continue to lift her up through this uh, long process of healing and and we thank you for it in Jesus name amen so second Peter chapter 1 verses 1 through 11 Simeon or Simon Peter a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort 
to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this very, in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we, when we read these passages, we know that it's absolutely impossible for us to exhibit that fruit that you, that we just read. So, Lord, we just call upon your name this morning. We ask for an empowerment of your Holy Spirit to give us that divine uh, power that you promise. Lord, help us to, to be surrendered, yielded vehicles to you. Lord, I just pray for the word as, as we look into it today, that it would do its intended purpose in our lives, and that we could be a body that displays good fruit in our homes, in our community, and then ultimately our nation. Father, we just are so grateful that we can bring these things to you and that you are faithful and just love to give good gifts to your children. In Jesus' name, amen. Whoa. I have to learn how to hold a new kind of can up here now. <clears throat> so I have traded Monster for Gatorade, apparently. My wife tried to trick me. <clears throat> My wife tried to trick me. Oh, I did nothing happy about it. Yeah. The doctor says I got to do it, so I'm going to try. Uh, a, a faithful brother uh, gave me a blood pressure tester. And so apparently my heart's trying to explode when I take Monster. So Doc says I got to stop. So uh, there's a Monster right there. You should have a drink. No, 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 don't give it to me. Kathy comes down and she hands me a monster can. I, th this whole diatribe has a point. She hands me a monster can and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like Christmas or something. She's giving me a monster and so I open it up and it's full of Gatorade. <laughs> That's just dirty. I'd rather just have the... It was Ron's idea. Ron did it? <laughs> oh, she threw you under the bus. So anyways... Feel free if you see me with a monster can to assault me. And uh, don't smack it out of my hand, though. <laughs> uh, but as we come to the, the, our study this morning, it's interesting where we are. I, I'm always kind of blown away with where God takes us in his word. 
what he's doing. You know, seems like things happening around us. I don't know if you guys notice, <clears throat> but I am going to obviously be strongly encouraging you all to read your Bible every day. In fact, I'm going to give you a Bible that helps you to read your Bible every day at the beginning of the new year so that uh, we can be doing what this chapter is talking about. And that's growing in our faith. And that requires, that always requires maybe something different, something we're not used to, maybe something we have to add into our day. But it's a discipline necessary if you want to have a fruitful Christian walk. The lazy Christian walk, I can't tell the difference between you and and the world. And we'll see what God, God's a judge. He'll tell me, right, who's in or who's out. But a faithful disciplined Christian who is focused on knowing Christ and wanting to follow him, there's one thing that sticks out from them. That is a progression. They are growing, right? We walk by and we see a baby on a bottle. We say that's so cute. But if we see a 40 year old on a bottle, it's not cute anymore, right? We need to be growing, progressing, If you remember last week, right before we started, we brought up uh, uh, Tommy and DJ and little Selah. You guys remember? We brought Selah up and we prayed for him. And they're uh, somewhere between Salt Lake and here, I'm I'm assuming, uh, now. They went to Salt Lake for treatment. And if you remember, while we were praying for him, we, we were praying that this would be the last time. Tommy sent me a text and said the doctor almost canceled the appointment. They did do chemo. They just did a little. Uh, and then he said, the doctor said, don't come back until January of 2023. So we are always thankful for answered prayer, right? And to see God work in, uh, in folks' lives. So as we look, 2 Peter chapter 1, he's going to be talking to us, challenging us with the character we need. Right? We, most of us in here, especially on a Sunday morning, if I walked around and asked you if you're a Christian, most of you are going to say yes. The question that Peter has is, do you have the character of a Christian? You, is it just lips? Or are you down in the bones? Is it down in your bones? So he says, he begins, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. So this letter is written to believers. It's not written to a church. It's written to the church. It's written to believers everywhere. Those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. Those who are not professors, but possessors. They have moved from the concept of lip service to true service. Do you guys understand what I mean? Come on, you guys know what lip service is, right? Nobody looks at their marriage and says, you know, I want a marriage of lip service. Do you? You just want the words or you want the reality? We want the reality, right? If if someone says we love, they love you, we want to see. That should be, you should see the fruit of that, right? So we want, this is what Peter is describing. Those who have truly obtained a righteousness equal to ours. They've obtained a faith equal to ours by the righteousness of whom? Of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
So whose righteousness do we walk around with? Phil alluded to the fact that when we look at the things we're going to talk about and the challenges, there's, there's two parts of this we want to run away with. One, it's a call to discipline. It's a call to making an effort. It's a call to pursuing Christ. But it's also the recognition that you have already everything you need. We, we often say this is so hard and I don't know if I can do that. But the, the scripture is going to challenge us with, with the idea that you already have it. He's given you what you need. He's asking us now to pick it up and run with it. By the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He also tells us this, 2 Peter 1.11, we'll get there in a little while. It says, for in this way you will be richly provided uh, for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior. Who's our Savior? Jesus Christ. That's right, 2 Peter 2.20. For if, after they escape the defilements of the world... Through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The last state is worse than the first. So the idea he's laying out for us, Jesus Christ is our Savior. He's the one who has saved us. And, and he has provided for you and I three things. Three things he has provided for us. We see in this text, 2 Peter 1, 1 and 2. First, the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then he says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Jesus as our Savior provides us with these three things. Righteousness. That he who knew no sin became sin for me, that I might become the righteousness of God. His righteousness. At regeneration, that is faith in Christ. When we're born again, when we are born again, his righteousness becomes mine. He clothes me with it. He covers me in it. You've heard us say things like being covered by the blood of Christ, right? The idea that our sins have been washed away and he has bestowed upon me his righteousness. So that Jude 24 and 25 can be true. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and who will present you blameless before his father with exceeding joy. When he is presenting us to God, it will not be a merit you and I earned. It will be the righteousness that Christ gave. Everyone tracking? The righteousness he gives. That's why he's our savior. He gives me righteousness. He also gives me grace. Grace I found, a, a, I always use the unmerited favor, but you say something so many times and people stop hearing it. I found a definition I think I like even better. God's favor to the undeserving. Grace. God's favor to the undeserving. And all of God's grace is channeled to you and I as believers through Jesus Christ, our Savior. He's our Savior because he gives me grace. John 1, John the Baptist is bearing witness of Christ, and he says, John bore witness about him and cried out, this is he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Where is our grace? Where does grace channel to the believer through? Jesus Christ, our 
Savior. This is what he means when he says he is our Savior. The third part that we see here is peace. What is it that our Savior provides us? He provides us peace. And peace is twofold. He provides us the peace with God and the peace of God. Both of those are given to us through Jesus Christ. In Romans 5.1 it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through whom? Our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Savior provides us peace with God. Prior to our justification, our salvation, being born again, you are at enmity with God. You are separated from God by your sin and you are at war with God. When we come to faith in Christ Jesus and then through the regeneration of his spirit, we are born again. He pours upon us his righteousness. He lavishes us with his grace and he provides for us peace with God, a standing not at war with the Father. But also he gives us peace of God. The peace of God we read about in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds, where? In Christ Jesus. These are the things that our Savior has. This is why we call him Savior. This is why we sing hymns and songs and spiritual songs about who he is and what he's done. This is why we lift our eyes to him and we, we, we look for ways to describe his majesty, his glory, his beauty. Because of what he has provided for you and I. Now look in verse 3, 2 Peter. 2 Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has granted to us how many things? His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Is there something that God's calling us to do as a discipline in following him in pursuing a relationship with God? Is there something God's calling us to do he has not given provision for? No, you have it. You have it. The greatest, most glorious, incredibly beautiful, uh, extraordinary gift heaven had to give has already been given in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And scripture, Peter declares to us here, his divine power, he's talking about Christ, our Savior and God, right? His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everything we need. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. If we understand the beauty of the power and glory and majesty of God, we will recognize the things that God has declared to us. Everything we need in order to grow up has been provided at our birth in Christ. When we were born again, 
He gave us everything we need. It is there. We are called then to his glory and excellence. To, to let the words of our mouth glorify our king. Let the deeds, the actions of our life bring glory to our king. This is our goal. This is what it is to be a follower of Christ. This is what it looks like. 1 Peter 2.9, he says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellency of he who called you out of the darkness and into the light. See, we were once darkness, yes? The word declares we were once darkness. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. But Christ, our Savior, has made us alive. Where? In Christ Jesus. And when we came to that, he provided for us everything that we need. So our faith, as we look at this, this section of scripture, our faith is in a person. Who's the person? Jesus Christ, our Savior, right? Faith in faith is worthless. Your faith, just to have faith, doesn't matter. That, that's just words. Faith in our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, has power. Our faith has power because Christ has power. He is the sovereign one, the one over us. Now, what else does this faith provide us? Look at verse 4. By which he has granted to us precious and very great promises. Are there promises that God has given us? For sure there are. He has granted us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So he lays out for us, by this faith, this faith involves God's precious promises. And those precious promises, where are they found? They're found in God's word. So if you don't spend any time in God's word, you don't know any of the precious promises that God's given. One of the great, incredible tools at our disposal is to get yourself in the habit of doing a daily reading through the Bible, which is why there's a bunch of through the Bible. It's, what's her name again? Debbie Bryson. Why did I forget? I hope I don't forget when she's standing here. <laughs> when Debbie, one of the things Debbie Bryson does is through the year uh, uh, Bibles, one year Bibles. And the point is to provide for yourself a disciplined time when you will read the Bible. Now, if you have a reading program that you already do, don't worry about it. You're good. But I would imagine the majority do not have a reading program that's currently functioning. Or maybe you've had a one-year study Bible and you always stop at the same time. So the section of the Bible that you read every year is whatever runs from January through March. Right? The call here is to be disciplined to put the word of God in your heart. How does a young man keep his way free from sin? I hide 
your word in my heart. Well, how does it get there? It doesn't get there by sleeping next to it. It doesn't get there because it's in your phone. It gets there because you pour it in. This faith that we have in our Savior, it involves God's precious promises, which helps us become partakers of the divine nature. Prior to salvation, we had a sin nature. Every person born is a sinner, separated from God. When we are born again, we become partakers of the divine nature. And as partakers of the divine nature, there are things that come as a part of that. Whenever a sinner becomes a believer, the Spirit uses the Word of God to impart life and the nature of God within us. You have it. Are you opening it? Are you pouring it in? Our nature will determine our appetite. Pigs, they like the slop. Dogs, they like vomit. At least my dogs do. Sheep, they like green pastures. Believers, their appetite should be for the pure and holy. That divine nature comes from pouring the word of God in. That divine nature determines behavior. You know, the things we do. Like eagles fly, dolphins swim. Followers of Christ follow Christ. Right? Nature determines environment. Where we live, where we eat, where we breathe. Our environment is dictated to us by our nature. When we were dead in our trespasses and sin, our environment was much different, wasn't it? But as partakers of the divine nature, the environment of the believer is to walk in the spirit. Now, there is a, an error that sometimes enters into our minds... And that error is this, that I'm going to walk by the Spirit, but walking by the Spirit is just, I, I walk by the warm and fuzzies. Warm and fuzzies is not the Spirit. Please don't blame your warm and fuzzy feelings on the Spirit. The Spirit uses the Word of God to guide us. That's what the Spirit uses. So we need to be pouring the Word of God in. This nature, this divine nature determines our associations. Like what fellowship has light with darkness. So as we <coughs> consider the idea that these very precious and great promises that come to us through the word of God by his spirit. That word of God poured into our life, not, not coming as a natural man, but as a man Fill with the Holy Spirit to comprehend, to understand, to, to uh, uh, be able to eat that word, to devour that word, to make it a part of us. It's going to change our appetites. It's going to change our behaviors. It's going to change the environments we want to be in and the associations we have. 
And it all comes back to a simple discipline of being, allowing God to disciple you. This is what discipleship is all about. Either discipling or being discipled. Applying the disciplines of a believer causes us, listen, to escape the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Anybody struggle with sinful desires? Anybody struggle with all with corruption and, you know, stinking thinking or whatever other stuff we got? Right? We all do that stuff. So Peter is saying, look, I'm telling you what to do so that you can overcome those things. I, I can tell you, I've been, I have been pastoring in some form or another for 25 years. Kathy and I have been here for 12. Going on 13, I think. Oof. It's 13 unlucky? Oh, that's right. I forgot for a minute. <coughs> we don't believe in luck, she said, just in case you didn't hear. So, and one of the things I've learned is this. When... When my nose, heart, mind, and soul is in the book, my heart is not reaching for sin. I'm telling you, when my nose, my heart, mind, and soul, I'm focused on Christ, following him, devouring his word, making his word a part of my life, right? Not being hearers only, but doers also, right? When that is the truth of my life, I'm not struggling with sin. When I'm struggling with sin, those things aren't true. Every single time. So he's telling us, Peter is saying, look, here's how you can be delivered from this. In fact, he's going to give us more, right? That, that this faith that we have in our Savior, that it results in growth. And this is exactly what he's talking about. This is how we grow. This is how we become who we want to be. So in verse 5, he says, so for this reason, make every effort. How many efforts? Every effort. It doesn't say make every excuse. Did it say that? It says make every effort. I have more excuses than all you guys. I have a, a plethora. What a good word, huh? <coughs> I, I can remember the word plethora, and I can't remember people's name. So I'm sure it's dementia. So as we, as we consider the plethora of excuses that we can come up with, what the Word of God says to us, and we as students of the Word should come to the Word of God, hear what it says, and then be obedient, right? He says, make every effort to supplement your faith. So the whole idea, the whole point is to supplement. You have faith and trust in Christ which saves you. Amen? Yes, you're saved. But we are to be followers of Christ. Our nature is supposed to be different. Our struggles should change. We should see things happening in our life that we haven't seen before. And if that's you, he is laying out for us. Make every effort to apply these disciplines to your life. Add to your faith virtue. Add to your faith virtue. Now, virtue is not how do I polish my human qualities. That's sometimes what we think. I'm going to polish up all my human qualities. No matter 
how pretty they are, it is producing the divine qualities the scripture is talking about that we are speaking of with virtue. Add virtue. In other words, we want to look more like Christ. We want to sound more like Christ. Now, how do I know what Christ looked like or sounded like? Where can I find that information? In the Word. That's right. You go, you can listen to all the preachers you want to. And next week, I'll probably give you a handful that you should probably not be listening to. But this week, we're not talking about false teachers. That's coming up. But when we, when we consider it, this is not saying, hey, you know what? You need to spend more time listening to preachers. No, you don't need more time listening to preachers. You need more time in the word. Families need more time in the word. Fathers need more time in the word that they then share with their children. Families need more time together with one another. Our world today has taken all that stuff. Think about your day. Most families, mom and dad work, so you're gone at least eight hours a day, some more. Your children are at school at least eight hours a day. You slept probably for six to eight hours to get to that day. You already have 14 hours. Now if we add in sports, extracurricular activities, overtime at work, uh, regular life stuff around the house, taking care of those things. How much time in, out of 24 hours do you have to be together? I will tell you this, it's not very much. So add to your faith virtue. Make every effort to look more like Christ and less like whatever other things we're going for. Because even if you are the employee of the year, every year for your entire life, and you're an incredible example to all the men and women you work with, but you didn't spend any time with your family, what good was it? You know how many fathers who have spent their entire life in church whose children want nothing to do with it? Well, we can blame it on anything you want. But the bottom line is, at least in my family, that was because I sacrificed my kids for something else when they should have been a priority. Add to your faith, make every effort, add to your faith virtue. Right? Did Jesus have time for his disciples? Should, should we as fathers disciple our children or our grandchildren or our neighbor's children? Sure, they'll let you. Disciple whoever will. Make every effort Supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with virtue with knowledge. The word here suggests a practical knowledge or discernment. It's the ability to handle the things that life throws at you. 
It's the opposite of the statement that people use. He's so heavenly minded, he's not of any earthly good. And this knowledge does not come automatically. It comes from obedience to the word. Obedience to the word. Doing the things the word of God is calling me to. Make every effort. Supplement your faith with virtue. Virtue with knowledge. Knowledge with? Self-control. How many of you guys are exhibiting a ton of self-control? Huh. Make every effort. Is self-control part of the fruit of the Spirit? That's right. So if we're walking according to the nature, the divine nature that God has made us partakers with him in, <coughs> then we're walking in the Spirit. And if we're walking in the Spirit, we will exercise self-control. Self-control. Proverbs 16.32 says, Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. I've added this to my repertoire. Usually my points are the wrath of man will never accomplish the righteousness of God. And a uh, slow or soft answer turns away wrath. So my, my kids even quote it to me. Joe, if, if my son Joseph is having a fit, if you catch Joe having a fit, just walk up to him and say, Joe, soft answer. Watch what he says. So with, here he says, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit, his spirit more than he who takes a city. The man or woman or child who can exercise self-control. Proverbs 25, 28 says, A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. So the idea is we need self-control. You all have it when you want it, especially if you think you're going to be embarrassed. Right? Come on. I know either you don't answer the phone or when you do, when I call and you're in the middle of a fight, all I hear is hello. <laughs> we can exercise self-control. It's a discipline. Make every effort to add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control steadfastness. Steadfastness, the Ability to bear up under a heavy weight. Anybody got heavy weight on them? So the point is, this discipline that God is calling us to, this walk that God is calling us to, says we add steadfastness, our endurance, the ability to endure. Patience is not something that you get automatically. Sometimes we think in the Christian life, it's all pixie dust. I became a Christian. The Lord sprinkled his magic pixie dust on me. And now I do all these things. But they actually require effort from us. Yes? A decision that says, I want to be obedient to what God's saying. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things I ask? We say, no, he's my Lord and Savior. Well, if he's asking of us these things, we ought to obey. Patience does not come without suffering. What do we learn from James? James chapter 1, we also learned this in Peter. James chapter 1, verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kind. Why? Because you know that the trial is producing something in you. What is it producing? 
steadfastness. The ability to bear up under pressure. To endure. To be long-suffering. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Look, he says it right there. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking. Now, anybody want to be perfect and complete and not lack anything? Then count it all joy when the pressure comes. Knowing that the pressure that is in your life, the struggle, the trial, is not permanent. And it is producing in you the ability to bear up under pressure. This is what the Lord is declaring to us. So we want to add to our faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, steadfastness, to steadfastness, godliness. Godliness. This word means to worship well. That's what it means. To worship well. To ascribe worth to the Lord. To live a life of reverence and piety, rightly thinking of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. How do I come to a right understanding of who he is? That's crazy how many times reading his word is going to come up, huh? By reading his word, by pouring his word in our lives. We want this characteristic in our life, this characteristic of godliness. It, it speaks of a man who will seek to do the will of God as he cares for the welfare of others. Godliness. We can do one without losing sight of the other. Now, a lot of times if pendulums swing and we're able to focus maybe on the welfare of others really well, but somewhere we lost godliness. Right? The, the thinking rightly about our Savior, Jesus Christ, using words that glorify him or doing deeds that glorify him. Right? You guys with me? And sometimes we can be focused on the glory and the beauty of Christ, but forget about the welfare of others. But in Christian discipline, he has already given us everything we need for godliness and life. We have it. You just got to pour it in. got to pour it in you got to allow the word of god to change our lives add to your godliness brotherly affection we talked a lot about brotherly love right you guys remember first john second john third john love the brothers love the brothers love the brothers it's it's not just talking about men right it's believers loving one another jesus said by this they will know you are my disciples by the way you what love one another so if that, if that is a, a, a weakness in our life, this is what Peter is challenging us with. Oh, you've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, and you've been born again, and he's given you everything you need. Now add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to, to, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, steadfastness, to steadfastness, godliness, to godliness, brotherly love. Learn to love one another. It says in 1 Peter 1.22, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth 
for a sincere brotherly love. Did you pay attention? Having purified your souls by what? Your obedience to what? The truth. What's the truth? The word of God. We're going to be obedient to what the word of God is calling us to. And as we walk in obedience to the word of God, some of the things, some of the, one of the outpourings, one of the results of that is brotherly love. Learning to love one another. Hebrews 13.1 says, let brotherly love continue. Don't stifle it. Don't choke it off. Let it continue. Romans 12.10 says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another by showing honor. This is all just discipline, right? Look, most of us, very natural to be sarcastic. How many naturally sarcastic guys are there? Yes, I flow, I flow with the power of the force in this one. Very naturally sarcastic. I don't even have to try. Maybe meeting you for the first time, something about that meeting will stick in my mind. And I will immediately be able to grab a hold of that and throw it back at you like a pointy spear. And I'll know you are a one in kind with me when you turn around and throw it back. Ah, this is, this is a fellow struggler with sarcasm. But it requires discipline to be affirming. I used to say to my wife, babe. This is not new. I have been this way from birth. I came out of my mother's birth canal with smart aleck comments. And I have walked in smart aleck comments ever since. Yeah. And she would say to me, you say you love me. Why? I say I love my wife. And my wife needs me to be affirming and me saying I don't care is not being loving remember how we said we wanted the things we say to be really what we do right you guys love Christ he wants you to be affirming outdo one another showing honor to one another never once does the Lord say find out how sarcastic you can be with each other I looked if I could have found it, I would have posted it on every wall at Calvary Chapel Buell. But it's not there. What is there is love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another showing honor. Be affirming. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Only such a word that will fit the situation giving grace to the hearer. So it's meeting the need of those who are listening. 1 John 5, 1 and 2. Everyone who believes that Jesus is a Christ has been born of God. Everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. So everyone who says they love the Father, they've been born again, I love God, he's my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I love the Lord. Everyone who says that will love his brother also. What does that mean by implication? <coughs> by this we know we love the children of God when we obey God and keep his commandment. 
Well, what's one of God's commandments? Love. A new commandment I give unto you. That's what Jesus said, right? A new commandment I give unto you. Love one another. Here's a new part. The way I loved you. Love one another the way I loved you. Where does brotherly affection add to your brotherly affection? Love. So he says, brotherly affection is the word Philadelphia. So phileos, it's the brotherly love. Delphia's brother, phileo, the love of a brother. Add to that, agapeo. That's the self-sacrificing love of God. The supreme evidence that you are a believer in Christ is agapeo in your life. Love that loves for the sake of the one that receives it and doesn't care about what it costs. This love that God declares. Paul said, love is the goal of Christian instruction. 1 Timothy 1.5, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. What's our goal? To love. To love, to have that love flowing through us. The scripture tells us that this love is the most excellent way. 1 Corinthians 12, 31. But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. That's the last verse in chapter 12. What's the first verse in chapter 13? First verse. If I speak with the tongue of men and of angels... And I have not love. I'm a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. The, the, the definition, you want to know what agapeo is, just read 1 Corinthians 13. That's the whole chapter. Describing agapeo love of God. This love, this virtue sums up all other virtues. It's the capstone. Colossians 3.14 says, and above all these, Put on love. Put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So as we look at what Peter is talking about, he's talking about this, this concept. He's saying, basically, I think, if you possess love, you already have all those other characteristics. You've added to your virtue knowledge. You're seeing the, the godliness and self-control, right? You're... You're expressing the things that Peter is talking about, and they come out with love. And here's what you need to understand. This book is about false teachers. And this is to focus you on how not to be deceived, not to get derailed, not to get your focus in some other place and, and off of Christ in some way. So he's saying, look, the false teachers don't have this. And you should. Because you've added this discipline to your life, spiritual growth brings real results. Look at verse 8. For if these qualities are yours, listen to this verse. If these qualities are yours and are increasing, you're growing. It's not about, it's not about just floating. It's about progressing, right? These are yours and increasing. Shows growth. They keep you from being ineffective. Anybody ever felt ineffective as a believer? What about this? Anybody ever felt unfruitful? 
So he's saying right here, if these qualities he's talking about, if these qualities are yours, if you're adding these things into your life, if you're being a discipline to say, you know what, I'm going to pour this stuff in. And the, and the gate through which it comes is, didn't change. Yeah, there's seven things he's adding, asking you to add to your faith. Seven, interesting number, isn't it? Seven things he's asking us to add to our faith, but they all have the same source. The word of God. The word of God will bring these things. If these qualities are yours and increasing, they will keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It will keep us from not progressing, not growing, but rather drifting. Anybody ever felt like they've been drifting? I, I would say in a large degree, majority of the church these days in the last couple of years is trying, God is shaking awake. Because if we don't wake up, it's all going to be over pretty soon. No, you're going to blink your eyes and you're going to find out you can't gather that, that uh, uh, coming together to worship Christ will become illegal. You say, Jackie, you're crazy. It's already illegal in Canada. It's already illegal in Australia. Two years ago, that wasn't true. So our, the world is at enmity with the body of believers. That's not new, is it? Jesus said it's always been that way. But we don't want to be barren. We don't want to be unfruitful. So we wake up. It's high time to awake out of sleep. It's high time to do the things God is calling us to. It's high time to start to grow. It's high time to be discipled or discipling. It's high time to see these things happen in the church so that the church knows what you believe and why you believe it. And why is this guy a problem or that guy a problem? Why are these people always picking out these guys? You know, I like to watch this guy on TV or I like to read this lady's book. And next week, Jackie's going to say that they're false teachers. And you're going to say, what in the world? Why would you say such a thing? It's such a good book. She's such a pretty lady. She says so many nice things. Well, Sorry. Because it's not holding fast to the truth of the word of God. There's only truth and error. Right? There's, there's not as much areas of gray as you can imagine. And where there's place where we can discuss different ideas, I'll praise the Lord. I love that. But there is a line that is truth and error. Right? The Bible declares Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. So what if I preach he's not? Yeah, that's not hard to figure out, is it? Look at you guys go. So we want to, but how do we know those things? We know those things because we are students of the word. If we're not students of the word, what are we? We need to spend time. We want to be fruitful believers. Jackie better get more fruitful or we're not going to finish. <coughs> Now listen to verse 9. So we want to be fruitful. Verse 9. For whoever lacks these qualities, these seven things we've been talking about, that partakers of the divine nature are going to add to their life, right? Because we want to be like Christ. 
For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted he is blind, and having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. We can't see. We feel like we're in the dark. We feel like we don't know what's going on, or where should we go, or I don't understand. Anybody ever have those things flowing out of your mouth before? Peter says these are because we are lacking these qualities. Why do we lack those qualities? Because we're not adding them. How come we're not adding them? Because we're lazy. And the scripture says it's high time to awake out of sleep. It's high time. It's no time for sleeping. It's time for growing. It's time for being ready to stand. It's time for being the one rightly looking up into the heavens for our great God and Savior, right? For all those who have loved his appearing, the Lord says there's a crown of righteousness. I can't wait till I see Jesus' feet. I can't wait. Come, Lord Jesus. But until he come, I got a job to do, don't I? Hasn't God in his word given me very many precious promises that he wants me to be able to walk in, be obedient to, and live by? We want to apply these promises. I want to, I want to be able to see. I want to have vision that God wants me to have. But if I don't have these qualities, I'm nearsighted to blindness. So I want to add these qualities. He goes on now and, and talks about our security. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. You see that? Wait, we should probably listen to that again. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. Now, by the way, that's an important concept to talk about. But I'm already five minutes late. So, see you at coffee. <coughs> I want you to understand this. If it's something that we confirm, then it requires some response from us. Do you understand? If it does not require any response from us, why do you need to confirm anything? He's calling us to confirm our calling and election. Every believer has been called and is elect. Every believer. Every, there's not one who's not. Every single believer has been called and is elect. And he's saying, if every believer who's called and elect if you practice these things, you'll never fall. What does that mean by implication? If I don't practice them, though I'm called an elect, I could fall. Everybody tracking? <laughs> the positive, the affirming is, why are we not, let's practice it. If I practice these things, I will never fall. How many, how many songwriters and people in Christian bands have we read about in the last year, year and a half, who have not only left the faith, but become apostate. If you do these things, you will never fall. Well, that's, that seems like a pretty good motivation, no? <laughs> and so, if we practice these things, we are being more diligent to confirm our call and election. We want to stay on the, on, the, on the course that the Lord has provided for us. For in this way, 
there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Man, that's heavy. We're going to spend the next, I don't know, maybe five messages. Oh, don't quote me on that later. Talking about false teachers, false doctrine, what causes people to trip into false teaching and false doctrine. And all of this is preemptive to that, saying, here's what we need. This is what helps us not fall. This is what helps us not be drug into something that we're trying to stay away from. These are the things we need to do. Now, just one other thing. When we talk about <coughs> calling an election, we don't ever preach election to unsaved people. We preach the gospel. Election is what happens to a believer. You and I, we always try to figure out which came first, the chicken or the egg. I don't care. I actually care not at all, not even a little bit. I care about people who have heard the gospel, responded to the gospel, and want to live their life for their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if that's true, you're elect and called of God. And if you say to me, well, what's happened first? I don't care. I still don't care. Second Thessalonians 2, 13 and 14. I just want to leave you with this idea as we talk about this idea or this scripture. <clears throat> we ought to always give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as a first fruits to be saved. That's election. Through sanctification by the Spirit, and belief in the truth. Oh, it's a beautiful verse about election. God chose us. We are elect in him. Listen to verse 14. To this he called you through our gospel. Where does the call come from? From the gospel. We don't have theological discussions with unbeliever. What's the point of that? Unbeliever needs to hear the gospel. Then we can talk about theology all you want. Because he has the spirit of the Lord within him. This he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we want to confirm our calling and election by practicing the addition of the virtues that the Lord was talking about. And as believers, if we will do these things, we will not stumble. We will not forsake God. We will not abandon him. We will not commit apostasy. We will not, they will not one day have a story talking about, remember that guy who used to preach, now he doesn't even believe that uh, Jesus is Lord. That won't be true because we're following the disciplines that Peter lays out. Those people seduced by false teachers reveal the problem is really a moral one. They have forsaken the virtues. They have allowed their wills to be captivated by evil and now are prey for deception. The Christian life begins with faith. And faith leads the Christian life to spiritual growth unless that faith is dead. James talks about dead faith. And dead faith is not saving faith. We want to hear the words Peter lays out for us. And we want to recognize the call. 
to obedience in his word. Add these disciplines to your life. Add them now. Make it an effort this year and the years following. And watch how different your life is, your walk with Christ is, as a result. And see how protected from error you will be as you follow God's prescription for it. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time we can spend in your word, for the things that your word declares to us. God, it's our desire to be able to glorify you and magnify you in the things we say and do. have always just been challenged by Jesus' statement that I only say the things that glorify the Father, the things that the Father has given me to say. And I only do the things that the Father has given me to do. And I so often have wondered, why is it, God? Why is it that the church looks so different? Why don't we look like you? Why don't we, why don't we bear more resemblance? How come I'm having such a hard time with this? And then I come to your word. And your word, every page, every book, it challenges me. It opens my eyes to things in my life that I need to cut out. And it helps strengthen my trust in you. And it gives me encouragement when I'm down. And if if I go without having any of your word, I feel myself becoming more and more anemic, weak, God, your, your, you have given us everything we need to be the believers your, your word tells us we can be. And it's not about being more open to the, the crazy ideas people have about the spirit. <coughs> it's not about trying to add more hype or more lights or fog machines or, or, you know, I don't know, better, better musicians or whatever, Lord. It's about being obedient to your word. And we, we try everything. We try, we try whatever the newest fad is, whatever the newest thing is. And we try to add these things and make these things what it's about. Through it all, Lord, you're just calling us to your word. I have given you everything you need. I have given you the keys. God, I pray that we as fellow believers, lovers of Christ, men and women who have given our lives, who are trusting you for salvation, Lord, who have bowed the knee to you as king pray, Lord, that we would add to our faith. That we would walk in these seven virtues you're challenging us with. That we would allow your word to mold us and 
make us into your image. And through all of that, may you be glorified and magnified. May the example we give then rise, Lord, from the ashes of self. And Lord, may we then see the things we all look around and say, what's wrong? What's wrong with the church? What's wrong with, with religion? What's wrong? We all know something's not right. God, may we choose to be the men and women you're asking us to be. And may we see, God, you move in power in our generation. We thank you for answered prayers, even though we're not perfect. We thank you for the move of your spirit, even though we don't have it all right. We thank you for the things you're doing because you are a good God. We ask, Lord, give us the things we need. Challenge us, Lord. Equip us. Enable us so that we might give glory and honor to your name. And we will give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.